Hey there, welcome to another episode of the Willing Equine Podcast. I'll be recording this episode in my car, so the audio may not be super clear, and sometimes I have my kids with me, so if you hear a little bit from them, I apologize, but hopefully you can still enjoy the podcast. I'd love to hear from you after you listen to the podcast, so feel free to comment on any of my social media platforms or email me or even send me an anchor voice message. I want to title today's podcast, um, Clicker Training Yourself. And I got this idea because I was listening to a podcast um, through the Animal Training Academy, and I believe you can find these podcasts on your common, you know, know, any podcast format you're probably finding my podcast on. Um, But it's the Animal Training Academy, and it was specifically the podcast episode with Sarah Owings, and it was about brave learning. And I was listening to that podcast and it just really hit me and that I'm really, you know, I have this training plan. I have, um, the intention to reinforce desired behavior and do it in successive approximations. So a little bit at a time and I look for little improvements and a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more, um, all throughout the training process and all throughout the multiple sessions we have. And, you know, we train in successive approximations with our learners. We are not, however, as good at doing this with ourselves or with the people that we teach. So our students, um, our spouses, our children, anybody, that any person that's around us, we tend to not be this way with anybody but our animals. We have a lot more patience usually for the animals um, and we... we or I don't know if we're reluctant so much as that we just don't recognize that we can take this same idea, the same process of reinforcing those desired approximations towards the end goal, the end behavior that we're looking for. We can take the same idea and the same training process to train ourselves and to be better trainers and better horsemen and women. And we can also take this idea into training our students, our human learners, and our the humans around us. And um, so I kind of want to talk about what that looks like and how I am applying this idea in my own life because I am really bad about this. I am so hard on myself and I expect perfection or I get frustrated or I feel insecure and like we're not making progress and it's not enough. I'm not a good trainer. You know, why do I have horses? What, what is the meaning of life is basically kind of what I put myself through when I go down this road. Uh, and especially when I'm having a rough training day, when I'm having a day where things are just not looking how I want them to, when the horse isn't responding how I want them to, um, the, and Anyway, so I'm really bad about training myself on how to be a better trainer. I mean, I I listen to to tons of podcasts. I read books. I'm always learning. I'm always trying to improve. So in in that way, I am really good about improving my education and improving my skill level. But I am not good at recognizing progress in myself and being not only just content with that, but proud of it. Like, wait... At what point are we allowed to positively reinforce ourselves for 
the progress that we've made? Why is it never enough? Why are we always pushing for more and doubting our skill level and doubting the progress that we've made um, and thinking that it's just not enough? Why is this how we treat ourselves? And sometimes we teach, treat our human learners this way, our children and our students in our lesson program. Um, and, but we don't, necessarily treat our horses this way or we have come to learn that we shouldn't be treating our horses that way and we've started making changes there so we're you know shaping plans and reinforcing those desired little steps towards the end behavior um you know uh, especially if you're going down the road of learning how to free shape, you know, you understand the process of successive approximations and looking for the little tiny increments towards the end behavior. I mean, you can free shape behaviors from nothing where the horse is just standing there, which isn't nothing. That's a behavior in itself, but you get my picture. So we can free shape behavior from nothingness to something. So we can go from what appears to be nothing, them just standing there, to full-blown movements such as turn on the forehand, turn on the haunches, backing up, um, Spanish walk. I mean, I have shaped quite a few different behaviors from a horse just standing still. And these are movement behaviors. And we do this through thin slicing the criteria. So little tiny bits of um, little bits of progress towards what we're looking for. So we take that end picture in our head. Let's say it's a backup. And so we want our horse and we have that end goal in our head. And let's say the end goal is for my horse to back up six steps in um, smooth, you know, sequence. So it's lateral or um, diagonal pairs and he's moving side to side to side really or in pairs quickly in a rhythmic motion, six steps backwards wind cued in a straight line um, with the head at a moderate you know mid-level to slightly down so that he's using his back and he's not arching or um, hollowing out his back and that he's not throwing his head up in the air and so he's using himself correctly he's kind of sitting down in the hind end and he's backing up and it's beautiful it's this beautiful mental image that we have in our head well how do we get there from just standing still and not doing anything we look for a little muscle twitch. Click that. Reinforce it. Then we look for a little bit bigger muscle twitch. Quick, click that. Then a little bit bigger. Click. Then it's a muscle twitch that's specifically towards moving backwards. Click. Then a little bit of a weight shift backwards. Click. A little bit bigger weight shift backwards. Click. Then it's a full step. Click. Then it's, you know, a full step plus a weight shift. Click. Then a full step plus a bigger weight shift. Click. And then we just build and build and build until we have this big, beautiful behavior that it is that we're looking for. So we, this idea of shaping behavior is not just applicable to horse training. It's, and it's not just something that we should be doing when training other people and our students, but it's something that we should be doing with ourselves as well. And looking for those little tiny bits of progress towards the end behavior that we're looking for. So if we decide that we would like to, um, I heard this, actually this example might have been on that podcast I was referring to, but um, yeah, they were talking about reading a book. So if you your goal is you want to start reading one book per month all year, right? So that's your end goal is that you want to be able to read a book per month and by the end of the year, you'd have read 12 books. Fantastic goal. 
but let's say you don't ever read. Like maybe the last book you read was in high school and you're now 30 or 40 years old and you're just like, this, that sounds like a great goal, but it is too much to expect of yourself and you're inevitably going to fail because you're going to go from nothing to expecting everything. You're lumping behavior. You're going from this minor expectation or this, um, you're going from not having any behaviors that even resemble anything close to what it is that you're looking for. You have not read a book. You haven't picked up a book in a really, really long time. It's not part of your normal routine. It's not reinforcing for you. There's something there. It's just it's just not, it's just not something that you do. Okay. And now you have this goal that this is something you want to do. It's a fantastic goal, but by saying we're going to go from nothing to everything that you're setting yourself up for failure because you're going to have this really high expectation of yourself. You're not going to have um, had time to create a behavioral pattern. There's not going to be any reinforcement behind the behavior and inevitably it's going to fall apart. This is why a lot of new year's resolutions fall apart is because we go from nothing to everything. And that's called the lumping. That would be like saying, I have a horse that stands here and I want to teach it to back up six steps. And I am just going to expect that horse to back up six steps within one session and know what that means and have it on cue and it be just the way I want it to be. And I'm going to get frustrated if that doesn't happen. That's just too much to expect of the horse and they don't understand what it is that we're looking for. It's too much criteria. It's too much. And you're inevitably setting yourself up for failure and you're going to get frustrated. So this same process happens with us, like with the book reading. So what instead we need to do is like in my first example, where we are going to shape little approximations towards the end goal that we're looking for. So with the book reading, it might be, you know, once a day, you decide that you're just going to acknowledge that the book is there. So you're going to look at it. So for the first couple days, you're just going to look at the book and then you're going to say, good job to yourself. Like that is going to be your goal. Your goal is just going to be to look at that book and acknowledge the fact that or acknowledge its presence and that it is something that we're working towards. Just making that mental exercise a part of your life as far as just acknowledging that the book reading is an aspect of something you want to add into your life. That's a step. That is a step to even think about reading a book once a day. A lot of people that's, I mean, even for myself, I love to read books, but I have a very busy schedule, have a lot of things that are demanding my time and attention. And I will go and I'll have a book that I want to read that month. And, um, and I'm like, I'm going to read this book this month and I'm going to finish it and it's going to be finished and I'm going to be super happy about it. And this is going to be fantastic. Um, but then, you know, then I'll look up and four days have gone by and I haven't even a like thought about reading that book. And I'm like, shoot, I've already lost almost a whole week and I haven't even picked up the book yet. How am I going to get this done this month? Because this is a huge textbook, right? So the process of just putting book reading to the front of your brain every day, once a day, is a step towards the end goal. And you can think of a reinforcer for that behavior as well. Maybe you get I mean, you could use a food reinforcer if you want. If something maybe like getting a little candy is a good reinforcer. Uh, Maybe just being, you know, we can tell ourselves that was what I wanted and be really self, you know, just proud of ourselves for that. And I feel like that acts as a reinforcer, just being really proud of ourselves and just acknowledging that, yes, that is what I wanted to do. 
you could use some other kind of reinforcer for that behavior, such as, um, uh, I don't know, treating yourself to a, a bath or, um, you know, like for, for moms, for busy moms, you know, like me, like if three kids running a business, all that, like, I, I don't actually remember the last time I like just had like a spa day at home, you know, that just doesn't happen. So that could be a reinforcer. Um, another reinforcer might be maybe you really like to watch TV. Maybe that has been the major conflict between reading a book versus watching TV. This is actually a, a thing for me where I, I like to just turn off my brain. I get so exhausted by the end of the day and my brain is so fried that I just want to turn it all off. And I just want to like zone out and watch a TV show that is mindless. And I've chances are I've already watched the TV show before. Like they, that's how mindless I want it to be where I just like zone out. Um, so I could use watching my TV show for that day as the reinforcer for thinking about picking up that book. Okay. So that's a possibility. Use something in your life that you find very valuable as a reinforcer for making a little step towards the end goal that you're looking for. Then the next week you say, okay, now I, you know, I've worked on looking at the book and thinking about the book. Um, what about, can I pick it up? And then we work on that for a while. And then we work on, can I read the first page or one page, let's say, because the first page, you don't want to read that 10 times. So can I read one page? Then can I start reading two pages? Then can I read three? And you start building. And before you know it, you have this new habit in your life. You have this habit of, before I watch my TV show at night, I read a chapter or two of a book and then I get to watch my show. And this is fantastic. You know, I maybe I had to cut in a few minutes into watching my show. Maybe, you know, I used to watch an hour of TV shows and I only watch 30 minutes now, but now you have this new habit that's healthy for you, that you wanted to achieve something that you wanted to do. And it's there. It's not something that it was this huge goal that you've never done before and it fails. It's going to be something that you have in your life for a very long time. As long as you continue to reinforce that behavior and continue to make it a practice. Okay. So that's an example of how we can use shaping and what is, which is a major integral part in clicker training and using positive reinforcement is the process of shaping, which we also should be using this if we're doing negative reinforcement training and all that shaping should be a huge part in training with negative reinforcement. Um, it's, um, like, let's say you want to teach your horse to back up when they feel a when they feel the rope and maybe you want to teach them if you just wiggle your finger, they start to back up and you're going to use a negative reinforcement process to teach this. You would possibly, you would start off with a slight aversive. So, um, wiggling the rope enough and, you know, you would escalate it a little bit mildly. It doesn't have to be extreme, just a little bit until the horse acknowledges that it's there and it starts looking for the answer to how to alleviate that annoyance. And they might take a weight shift backwards and then you stop. And then you do that again, you look for a full step backwards and you stop. And then you build and you build and you build until the horse realizes that if they start to feel that weight, that sh wiggling of the rope, um, they should take multiple steps backwards. 
and you know the six steps backwards that we wanted and then you can start to reduce the pressure that you need to use to get that weight shift back or those full steps backwards to just a, a finger wiggle um and anyway i'm not going to go down that road but i just wanted to express that that shaving process is very important to eth- the ethical use of or i should say a more ethical use of negative reinforcement in horse training i you know, as you guys probably know, or maybe you don't, I primarily focus on the use of positive reinforcement in my training, but there are situations where it will come up that I will use some negative reinforcement. I have some clients that I feel like it is better. I don't want to go too far down that road, but you know, it's, it's like I get put in a rock or a hard place where I either have to help them use negative reinforcement in a better way or I lose them altogether and then I lose the progress I had with that horse and the changes I've made for that horse and I risk them going to a, a trainer that will not be as patient and will not understand that horse's rehab process and their trauma and all of that. So in those cases, I will choose to use negative reinforcement in a mild way to, um, for the better of the horse. So anyway, that was a tangent, but I wanted to just, I wanted to throw that out there that this shaping process should exist in all animal training, but like the original beginning of the podcast, it should exist in training ourselves as well. So we can actually train ourselves to change our own behavior. And so that I, so I gave you an example of a real life, like outside of a horse training environment, but now let's take it into what about when we're training our students? What about when we're training our horses? How can we shape our own training skill level and our training, um, just our training process? How can we shape our skills during the training process? to become better trainers while also working on training the horse on also, while also working on training our riding instruction students. So a kid that we're teaching how to, you know, do riding lessons or whatever. Um, the simple, or I guess not simple, but the easiest way to, for myself or, and also this is what I got from the Sarah Owings podcast, which I keep referring to because it was fantastic. And it was called brave learning. I think that was what it was called. And also the other part slash, uh, I think it was making stimulus control sexy again, which yes, 100%. So I, I loved that podcast. So definitely go listen to that. Um, so I'm on a little bit of a tangent. that's a little different than, than what that whole podcast was about, but I think it's, they very closely connected. Um, but okay so we have let's go back to that backing up we're training a horse to back up and we have this goal in mind and we have the idea of the approximations that we're looking for in the training session that you know we're going to look for those weight shifts and we're going to look towards the full steps and then we're going to look towards multiple and we have this idea in our head of what we want it to look like and how we're going to get there and we have the shaping plan that we've created we so then we go out and start training well let's say we get maybe three, four to 10 clicks in and the behavior starts to look very different than how we were, we wanted it to look. This is where I would say, take a break. So give your horse, leave your horse some food, step away from the training area, and then start to think about what it is that you were doing and how you were shaping that behavior that, um, that you need to modify 
and then also focus on what it is that you did right. So try not to focus too much on how you, what you did wrong and what made it go wrong. And you're like, oh shoot, like I'm a terrible shaper. I, you know, I can't shape ba- even a backup. Like how, you know, I've heard students and even myself, I mean, our self-talk, like how we talk to ourselves and how we talk about ourselves to ourselves is just awful. Like I'm just like, you know, I'm not even going to tell you some of the stuff I've told myself because it's just, it's not appropriate. I would never say it to somebody else, but I say it to myself. And how terrible is that? I would never treat anybody else the way that I treat myself. So, and I want to, I want to lay this out here that I am not good at this. And that podcast inspired me to be better about this. And so when I'm talking to you about this right now, this is something that I, I have taken away from listening to that podcast as well as talking to peers and other trainers um, that have struggled with the same issues. And so what I'm talking to you about right now is what I'm currently working on doing better for myself. And that's to step away from the training and say, I did this right. I did that right. I did this right. And so we're looking for those things that we did right. And I want to essentially in my mind, click that I want to click. Yes, Adele, you set up that training environment so that it was perfect so that the horse didn't get frustrated. Um, you provided alternative source of reinforcement. So a non-contingent reinforcer, you, um, you had a flake of alfalfa or hay on the ground. So that if the horse got frustrated, it could have a bite of alfalfa. That was perfect for this learner because we know she has a history of ulcers and, um, that tend to make her a little bit anxious about food. So that was perfect. That was an excellent click, you know, good job you. Okay. So what else did I do? Right. I, um, I set up the training environment to cue to the horse that we were doing a free shaping session. So I had her in protected contact and isolated away from the other horses, but close enough to the other horses that she didn't feel worried about where they were and if they were leaving her. So click, you know, great job. Perfect. I for about 10 clicks, we were doing awesome. You, you had your criteria sliced very thinly. The horse was confident. They knew exactly what we were clicking next. It was build, build, build little bits at a time, you know, click for you 10 different times. That was awesome. Then we hit the 10th time and something went a little bit off. We're not going to worry. You know, we're not going to beat ourselves up about it. We're just going to say, Hmm, what was that? That you know, we're going to take that as information that maybe we didn't, you know, maybe we clicked a little late. Maybe, um, we were asking for a little bit too much at that point, maybe the horse didn't understand. Maybe they were, um, getting a little bit worried about their buddy. So we're going to analyze what it is that happened that made the training start to change at that point, but we're not going to beat ourselves up about it. And we're not going to punish ourselves for that. We're going to focus on reinforcing, um, the stuff that was good. So that necessarily wasn't what we wanted. Okay, fine. We acknowledge that, but instead of punishing ourselves for that, we're going to say, what is it that we could do in replacement of that? So what's an alternative behavior that the trainer myself that I could perform 
that would avoid that undesired results. So could I slice my criteria a little thinner? Could I make sure that the horses were a little bit closer? Could I make sure that she didn't run out of alfalfa that was available to her? Could I use a lower value food? Could I have stood a little bit differently? Could I have maybe just ended the session earlier? Maybe it was just a the possibility that my session went too long and she was starting, the horse was starting to lose the ability to concentrate and was starting to get a little bit frazzled or mentally fatigued. Um, There's so many different pieces of information that could have been the case. Um, So so much stuff that we could change, you know, because this is a theoretical situation too. So I'm just throwing out possible ideas. So I don't want, and I, I didn't necessarily do anything wrong so much as something new came up. Something changed that wasn't exactly what we were looking for. And it's just a new piece of information. And, um, and I think it's our tendency when something like that happens is to focus on how we failed. So we leave the training situation at that point going, I failed. I'm a terrible trainer. Um, I'm a terrible trainer. The world's coming to an end. Why can't I train a backup? You know, stupid me and all of that terrible self-talk. Instead of focusing on the fact that, you know, percentage-wise, we there was so much more that was good than there was that was a little bit off or not what we wanted, okay? And, you know, maybe in the very beginning, as you're shaping your own training skills and you're, sh- and you're teaching yourself how to reinforce your own successes during the training. You might have to keep the training sessions shorter than your horse wants them to be or needs them to be. So maybe let's say your horse can go for 10 to 15 minutes, no problem, but you as the trainer, you can't stay focused enough or remember what it is that we're doing long enough or um, stay correct with your timing long enough or whatever. Like your performance level starts to decrease as you reach the six minute mark. You may need to acknowledge that it is you that is being shaped in this training session, that there are two learners in this training session, as there is always. You, even though you're the trainer, even though you're the one with the shaping plan, you are still always learning and you are still always, you are, you are performing behavior as well. And you are shaping your own behavior and you are learning and you're making progress and you are, um, getting better by the day or, learning, you know, all this different stuff. So you are there too. You're another living, learning, breathing being in the same environment with your horse. So if you need to stop at five to six minutes, stop. (laughs) Don't go to your horse's maximum. Go, you know, acknowledge where your horse's maximum is and then acknowledge where your maximum is. And then whichever one is shorter, stop there. Okay. So don't push to where your horse goes. Don't let that be the push. Don't make it, make yourself feel bad because you can't, you know, keep the mental focus that long, you know, and because really, honestly, we're trying to do so much at one time. We're, we're keeping in mind this shaping plan. We're keeping in mind the clicker and the target and, and where we're standing and what is that we're looking for. And, um, 
we're thinking about the past podcasts that we've listened to and what book we just read and what this trainer said and what that trainer said. And we've got so much that's just bouncing around in our head. Not to mention the fact that some of us, like me, tend to have kids running around and I'm trying to make sure that they're not going to die. <laughs> and, um, you know, I try and keep them contained so that it, they're not... Um, a huge distraction, but sometimes it happens. And oftentimes I'm also teaching an intern at the same time as I'm training, doing training sessions. I'm, um, or I'll be teaching a student or I will, um, be paying attention of what the other horses are doing. I have so much going on in my head during a training session and the horse only has, Oh, this lady's got cookies (laughs) or I don't really train with cookies. You guys know that, but I'm just using that as a extreme example, but this lady's got some hay pellets. I want those hay pellets. What do I got to do to work for the hay pellets? So what, what behavior is being shaped in this session? I'm ready for this game. Let's do this game, lady. Like, I've got this. So the horse has relatively limited stuff that's going on in their brain as far as we know. You know, I can't ask my horses what's going on in the brain. And, you know, and sometimes there is other stuff. There's that the tractor just went by. It's really noisy. Um, this, my companion is over here at this stall door, you know, striking at it because she also wants to play the game or she's upset about, um, her other buddy leaving, or maybe there's people going back and forth and around behind the training session, or maybe they also hear the kids screaming and are distracted as well. So we've both got a lot going on and we need to focus on reinforcing the desired stuff and not punishing the undesired stuff for ourselves, just like we do with our horses, just like we do with our learners. And acknowledge the improvements that we're making in our training sessions. You know, maybe last training session, we only got six clicks before things started deteriorating. Um, or And then this session, we only went five clicks and we chose to stop before things started to deteriorate. Yes, click like jackpot, amazing, good trainer. You did fantastic. I don't care that it was a whole click less in time and that you only trained for like five seconds. It seemed like you ended where it was exactly what we're looking for. It was positive. Nothing deteriorated. You didn't get frustrated. The horse didn't get frustrated. You set up the whole situation beautifully. Perfect. Great job. Good job, human. Like, Yes. So clicker train yourself. And when you do have those inevitable sessions that show up that you're just like, what is the meaning of life? What am I even doing? I'm a terrible trainer. Why does anybody pay me to do this? Or, you know, why do I even own horses or what is going on? Um, don't, or see, I'm even using negative words. Like don't (laughs) focus on Yes, focus on the parts that were positive. Focus on what it is that you did right and try and duplicate those things and add some more good things into it. Make make some changes that you think will make a another positive impact that will add to that good piggy bank, the stuff that's good, the build up the amount of desired things in that training environment, in that training session, so that it's all desired eventually. Um... So yeah, so, you know, reinforce yourself, reinforce yourself for desired behaviors, try and set yourself up for success, have a shaping plan for yourself, look for, you know, I do this with my, oh, and so, okay, I could talk forever about this. I've got two more tangents, to, tangents examples to go on and then we'll be done. But, um, you know, when we're working with a student, 
Uh, in particular, like this is a really good example with my kids. I actually, you know, I really want my kids to have experience with being able to use positive reinforcement to train animals, whether or not they're animal people when they grow up, whether or not they own dogs and horses or horse trainers, that doesn't matter to me. I just want them to know that they can use positive reinforcement to shape behavior, that they can shape desired behavior from those around them using positive reinforcement. They don't have to yell. They don't have to punish. They don't have to strike. They don't have to use physical discomfort to change those around them. They could use a positive, low-stress way to do that. So so as part of their education as a child growing up in life, I feel like this is a critical aspect to their future, whether or not they're animal people. And But me as a parent, me as a horse trainer, and me primarily I work with teenagers to adults and I haven't worked a whole lot with little children. Um, I mean, I have, but not with the clicker training. So I'm still learning there. I don't know exactly what the difference, you know, what they need to know versus what an adult needs to know and what's a, a, um, an appropriate shaping plan for a two-year-old versus a 20-year-old. You know, what's the difference? You know, what's the cognitive ability there? What's their skill? Like how much, um, how much fine motor, what's the fine motor skill difference, you know? So this is an aspect. So I am learning as a trainer how to train my own children, which is even more challenging than training other people's children, (laughs) um, how to train animals. So there's a three part training session happening here. Me training myself, plus training a kid, plus training the horse or the dog. And so that's a lot. It's a lot to expect of myself and it's a lot to expect of anyone really. And, um, I was easily getting frustrated. I had really high expectations of my kids and myself and, and I get frustrated because I'd see my horses, you know, they're like, didn't get it because the timing was off and it would frustrate me because I would, anyway, you get the picture. So I would start beating myself up and I'm a terrible parent. I don't know how to train kids. Um, I, can I, you know, I don't want to do this. Like it just became this terrible negative thing in my mind. And then I took a step back and I'm like, my expectations have been way too high of these kids. I am also of myself as well. I've put us all three in a situation that have way too high of expectations. And then I punished myself. And I'm sure my kids picked up on that vicariously through like either my tone or just how the training session went. They probably felt my frustration. Um... So that wasn't good. So we actually stopped working together for a while because I needed to rethink and take a break. And um, and then when I went back into training my kids, I tried to find, I tried to reduce my criteria for myself and what I was expecting of myself to be able to teach. So by doing by that, I mean I put the horse in protected contact. I. Um, I reduced how much I was expecting of the kids to be able to do. So we just went to, can you toss food into the pan? You know, so smaller criteria for them. And I picked a behavior that was really easy for the horse to be able to do. You know, can you just eat food out of a pan? You know, maybe it's just bridging. And that's all we worked on is click food, click food. And then I did the clicker or, you know, there's just different things we could do. And I would focus on reinforcing myself for the little things. When the kids would get it right, I would say, yes, Adele. 
well. You did a great job as a trainer communicating and setting up these learners for success. Awesome job, great progress. And we would make the session short. And then we would go again the next day, and it was just so much better. Um, and I felt better about it myself, and I felt like I was doing better. And, um, yeah, so clicker training for myself. And then the other bunny trail that I seem to have completely forgot about, as I'm thinking as I got off on that other um, tangent is, I, and I think it was, and if it wasn't, then this is a third one, but... When you have, let's say, a riding student or a student that is learning to train horses, um, it's really important and in this whole podcast, this episode rolls over into this, is try not to fixate on what it is that their learner is doing wrong. Use the clicker training and the shaping and the positive reinforcement for the student that you are training to train or training to ride. Yes, Sally, excellent keeping your heels down. Yes, Sally, excellent use of your hands. Let's try sliding them up the neck just a little bit further. Perfect. That was awesome. Right there. Great job. And so much positive reinforcement, so much um, reinforcing the desired behavior. So same thing, positive reinforcement, reinforcing the desired behaviors. And look for things that are reinforcing to the learner. So some... You know, to some learners that that might, they might feel um, like you're overly like cheesy, enthusiastic, you know, so you might have to find another type of reinforcement. So um, one idea might be, well, I, I would still always use some verbal, like if verbally, I would always reinforce the behavior. I'd always say, yes, that was it. Perfect. Think of that, your verbal as like the bridge. <laughs> Think of it as the bridge signal, the clicker. Yes, that was it. Yes. Right there. Perfect. Good. Yes. Like that's your clicker, right? But then you've got to follow that up with something that is desirable to them. So for a kid, my, what might really work is... Um, Yes, that was perfect. Now would you like to go over here and go over the cross rail? I know you love going over cross rails. Perfect. Positive reinforcement for keeping the heels down, right? So something that's not necessarily something they care about, keeping their heels down. Now they get to go over the cross rail. Perfect. Beautiful. Um, They will start to get it. (laughs) You know, they'll start to be like, oh, if I do this, then I get to do this. And it means I can make progress. For adults that are trying to train their learning to train their horses, maybe they're working on behavioral issues, maybe stuff like this. I find that it's really useful to explain to them how, or um, I guess I should say, making or pointing out the progress, the, the tangible, visible progress that their horse is making and writing that down and teaching them how to exercise that process to to use that process of acknowledging the small changes acknowledging the daily improvements um just that little bit of hey you know what last session we did an awesome job we got to you know like five minutes we got a few steps this session though like look at what we accomplished from the first session because we started off almost as far as we got to the end on our first session. So we started off further along and we were able to make even more progress. Look, so that first session 
where we had to be very careful about this and that and we started off with such small criteria and it was a little bit painfully slow. Look at the progress that we've made in just one session. Look at this change. How awesome is that? And just by helping them go through that mental exercise of acknowledging the progress that is being made, even if small, I feel like really helps and it helps reinforce their behavior and their careful attention to their training progress and their, or their training shaping and all of that. Um, and so they can learn to reinforce themselves. They can learn to become better trainers and to use positive reinforcement on themselves. And you by doing that, helping them through that process are positively reinforcing them as well, because you are acknowledging as well, like you're doing an awesome job. Like, this is great. Like, I'm so proud of you guys. This is awesome. Um, is really going to help them. So both of those together, useful life skill. Plus you get to reinforce that. And plus you guys both get to make progress together. Um, and Okay, I remembered the third point I had, or now second point, I don't know, anyway, whatever point it was, we can use this same shaping process to reinforce desired behavior in other horse owners, whether they are online or at the local boarding barn that we're at or at a showgrounds or whatever, or friends or family that have horses that don't train with positive reinforcement or just... I don't know. They're using training methods that we don't agree with. They handle their horse in a way we don't agree with. They maybe use, you know, have outdated ideas about like dominance and submission and all of this. We can use this idea of reinforcing desired approximations towards the end goal. So the end goal is that they would train a little bit more like we would like them to train. We can use this idea to reinforce little steps, little baby steps towards what we're looking for. Um, you know, maybe their horse is pawing while cross-tied and we happen to hear them say, you know, I wonder why he's pawing. I wonder if he's anxious about his buddy being gone. Like, yes. Okay. This person just acknowledged that there's a cause for an undesired behavior instead of just walking up to him and smacking him and telling him to knock it off and quit being a jerk. Like, trust me, I've seen that so many times. Um, so being able to... I don't know, you know, you'd have to find out, like, you obviously can't walk up to somebody and click and give them a gummy bear, right? Um, I wish. That would be super nice. If I could do that, I'd just carry a clicker with me all the time. Um, but you could just be like, oh, you know what? I think maybe, you know, I think you're probably right. You know, would you like me to bring the buddy back? You know, maybe we could work on it. I know this great uh, article about separation anxiety, we could really help him feel more comfortable leaving his buddies. And I think that would really help, you know, you guys, and you'd, he'd be more comfortable on the cross ties and your, your hacking up process could be more enjoyable. And I'd be happy to help you. That could be a reinforcement to that person. That could be, um, you know, just having somebody to work with somebody, that social aspect of it, somebody agreeing with them and reinforcing that their idea was a good one. Um, that's, that could be reinforcement. That could be positive reinforcement for that person. And, um, instead of focusing on the fact that this person still uses giant archaic bits or, um, trains in hyperflexion or all these other things, which of course, I'm not saying that those things are okay. And we should just turn a blind eye, but we can choose, we can choose to reinforce desired moments and desired changes in behavior to help those horses and to help those people. Yeah, so I feel like, I feel like this podcast was like as much 
I don't know. We covered a lot of ground as far as how we can use positive reinforcement in different areas for ourselves, for our adult learners, for our kid learners, or our um, youth learners, and for our horses, and how shaping works, and how shaping works in negative reinforcement as well as positive reinforcement, how it's a useful piece of we need to use this for all learning for all behavior is that shaping plan is critical to successful and low stress training regardless of whether using all positive reinforcement or not um so yeah i don't know where to end this except for i want to encourage you to set yourself up for success shape your own training and your own behavior and find ways to reinforce yourself for little steps towards that end goal. Break down that end goal into achievable pieces and repeat, repeat, repeat. That's the important part is you've got to repeat it. You can't go from picking up the book the first day, reading the page the next day, reading a whole chapter the next day, reading a whole book the next day like it that's too fast you will it's that's not how behavioral patterns are created and new behavior is created it has to be kind of drilled in a little bit not too much we don't want to make it a bore but we do need to get into a behavioral pattern in little tiny pieces at a time so shape your behavior acknowledge and reinforce the desired behavior try not to punish yourself for mistakes acknowledge that the mistakes are just information it's just okay, huh, that was interesting. I'm going to try a different next time. I'm going to try this because this worked. This over here worked. So I'm going to replace what worked with what didn't. Great. No problem. So try and do that with yourself. Try and do that with everybody else and your horses and your learners um, of human nature. And um, have fun. Use positive reinforcement for everybody, everything. That's the, that's the end message there. Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to find out more about The Willing Equine, head to my website, www.thewillingequine.com. On there I have blogs and um, a very extensive FAQ. I also have other social media through there. So I've got YouTube and Instagram and everything else you could possibly think of. Also, I'd love to hear from you. So feel free to send me a message or an email and I hope to hear from you soon. You obviously can't walk up to somebody and click and give them a gummy bear, right? Um, I wish. That would be super nice. If I could do that, I'd just carry a clicker with me all the time.